Hi, welcome to the Vine Life Church Podcast. We're in Boulder, Colorado, and we're following Jesus by staying rooted in His presence, growing in His family, and living on His mission so that hearts are awakened with His awe-inspiring love. In this time of social distancing, we're not currently gathering in person, but we invite you to stream the video from our weekend services online. And if we can help you in any way, reach out to us at vinelife.com. For now, here's a short sermon from last week in Divine Life. Again, thanks for joining us. If, if you're, if what we just did, just, you know, praying for different people in the room, what we're trying to do together is hear from the Lord together, right? And we want to give more room for that. And the scripture talks about words of knowledge and prophetic words. And if that's a new experience for you, that's what we're doing. We're just doing our best to say, Holy Spirit, um, you've put me on this earth to bless others and to hear, hear your heart for others. And, and, and we get to do that. That's not just something for people on stage. That's something that he has given to all of us through the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to bless you in that, that that becomes a place of expectancy in your life. Do you guys know that God has wired you to be alive in him, to walk in the Spirit of God? How many, how many of you know that this morning? Come on, you tell me you know that this morning. This is the life we've been called to. This is, this is our, our inheritance. We've been adopted into the family of God. And so we get all the blessings in Christ that, 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 come, that come in Christ. And we get the, we've been sealed in the Holy Spirit. And so I want to just, I want to pray for you. I think it's an important time. It's an important time that all of us are walking in the Spirit um, in this, the time in which we live. Um, there is no such thing as a Christian that just walks in the flesh. We must be walking in the Spirit of God. We need powerful, pure-hearted believers being sent out across the face of the earth, declaring the goodness of God through our deeds and through our actions. Come on. And this is who we are. This is the time and season we live in. I think the stakes are getting higher. I, I do want to share just a little bit about um, this morning. I want to share a word of encouragement uh, for you today. Uh, for us today, uh, you know, the, you, we're a few weeks out from these elections. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if you guys knew that we had elections coming up. Um, so we're just, we're just a few weeks out. I just encourage you to go, you know, figure out what you're going to do there. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's the time that we're in, right? And, uh, you know, the, the, the truth is, you know, around us, a lot of us, are, we're carrying the tension of the season, right? We're carrying the tension of the season. And, and it, it, somebody said it like this, anxiety always manifests itself in one of three ways, and it just depends on how you're wired. A lot of times, anxiety either comes through a tightening gut, uh, a, a, a racing heart, or a spinning mind. I want you to think about that for a second. If you, if you think about the moments, the most anxious moments in your life, does it come as it, does, does your gut tighten up? Does your heart start racing or does your mind start spinning? And we're in a time where we all just kind of feel that. Just even right now, just check in with it. Just if, if you feel, if you felt any kind of anxiety, how does that show up for you? Tightening gut, racing heart, or spinning mind. And it feels other ways. Sometimes it just feels like, for me, sometimes it's just like a weight on the shoulders. It just feels like, wow, there's a kind of a heavy weight here. Um, but I, I want to anchor us here this morning into what Jesus says is our greatest work. I think this is our greatest work in any season, but especially in this season. His disciples asked him, what, is, what does it mean to do the works of God? How do we do the works of God? And if you have your Bibles, you can open up to John chapter 6. 
um, this, this passage, this, this whole chapter is a fascinating look at what Jesus does in the face of pressure, what Jesus does in the face of tension, what Jesus does when everybody thinks he should do something else. So I take great comfort in the fact that Jesus knows what it's like to have a lot of opinions around him. And people knew how he should do what he was supposed to do. People had a vision of what it would look like to have a Messiah and what the Messiah was supposed to do. And Jesus was unwavering. So in John chapter 6, about halfway down, and I'll explain this just a little bit here. This is just right after um, this scene where Jesus was walking on the water and he had fed the 5,000. And then a little bit later on, in, in, in John chapter 6, verse 20, 28, it says, Then they, who were the disciples, then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Okay? This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. Other translations say trust in him. And so the... The, the Gospel of John, one of the consistent themes, if you spend much time in this particular gospel, is the theme of belief and trust over and over again. About 98 times you're going to hear the, the words, believe in me, trust in me. Um, and, and, and he's inviting his disciples, he's inviting the world to come and believe in me, trust in me. This is what it means to follow me, that you believe in me and trust in me. But it goes even further than that. One theologian says maybe a better modern translation even of even belief and trust is to relax, to relax in me. That to believe, and, to believe and to trust in Jesus is to relax into Jesus. I want you to think about that for a moment. That as Jesus is talking to his disciples, as they're coming at him, as they're trying to figure out what's going on, they're trying to figure out what does a meaningful life look like? What does it mean to be doing the works of God? For Jesus to come back to them and say, this is the work of God, that you relax into the one sent by the Father. That you relax into me. Now, this is significant for a lot of reasons. As you guys know, um, our, our, kind of, our, our entire world is built on relaxation. It's a multi-billion dollar industry, actually, the relaxation industry, right? So some of you are massage therapists. Um, some of you are in essential oils. Uh, some of you, um, you, you, you anticipate the parts of the week where you're going to get to, quote-unquote, relax, right? What are the most relaxing things? So, so shout out a couple of things. When, when are you most relaxed? On the beach in Hawaii. Was that a bubble bath? Okay, all right. In the hot tub. Okay, so mostly things having to do with water is what is what we're talking about, right? Beaches, hot tubs, and, and bubble baths. Um, there's a lot of ways we relax, and, and, and it's the promise, one of the great marketing promises. If you do this, you'll finally, the, the, the anxiety will leave. And, and, and we do a lot to remedy the anxiety that we feel. And even pre-COVID, this was an issue, and you guys know this. Even pre-COVID, uh, I, I, I believe a, one stat says that about two-thirds of all doctors' visits were stress or anxiety-related. Uh, two thirds. This is pre-COVID, all right? This is like pre-2020. We already had that issue. 
And we needed a way to, 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 to pull off the stretch, to pull off the pressure, to pull off the anxiety. And so here we are, and we're wondering, what does it mean? How do, what does it mean to be a disciple in a moment like this? What does it mean to push forward? And I, I think there's so much more here than we realize that what if the, our greatest work in this moment, what if our greatest work is to believe in Jesus, to trust in him, but to relax back into Christ in a world that causes us to, to you know, to, to tighten the grip, to, to, to have to, to take the bull by the horn, so to speak, that Jesus is saying, what it means to follow me is to, is, is to be so relaxed into me that it's almost like you're rolling back onto your heels and your arms or your just your grip is loosening up there is such a deep trust available in Christ that it what it does is it brings this this comfort we, we allow ourselves to be soothed by the lordship of Jesus and you know and you might be hearing those words and thinking yeah that that sounds really good that sounds great but is that even realistic is that even something we get to do. But if we look at even the way that Jesus modeled this in this entire chapter, this is what he was modeling for his disciples, such a deep trust in the Father that no matter what was happening, he was just relaxed into the Father, no matter what they thought he should be doing. And so he feeds the 5,000 and just at the beginning of this chapter, they didn't have anywhere to, they didn't have anywhere to get bread and so he... he he, he uses it as a teaching moment to his disciples that our provision comes from the Father. We're just going to make bread for him. And they've created bread for the 5,000. And it was actually, as you know, much more than that when you consider children and, 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 um, and women in, in these numbers. It's probably closer to 15,000 or so. And he says in verse 15, perceiving that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. And so he knew that he fed them, but then they had their own agenda for him. And he said, and he, he, he took the pressure, he took this external pressure, what everyone, everybody else wanted him to do, and he withdrew again to be with the Father because his strength was relaxing into the Father. And then in the next scene, we see that, that Jesus out on the water his disciples are freaking out because he, Jesus was nowhere, no, nowhere near. And the, the sto- a great storm came out when they were out on their boat. But he shows up to them. He walks on the water. He approaches them. And, and, and they ask him, who are you? And he it says, it's me. It's do not be afraid. It's I am. And in the Greek, I mean, the, the, a better translation in this particular verses, he comes to him and he says, I am, do not be afraid. I am, you know, hearkening back to the great promise. I am, do not be afraid. How much our hearts need to know in this moment, the words of Jesus to, to us. I am, do not be afraid. I am, do not be afraid. And that's what he speaks to his disciples. That's what he speaks to us. I am, do not be afraid. Take a, take a step back, relax into me. And like we said earlier, part of, part of the reason we get to relax into Jesus and, and this is our greatest work in this moment is to actually be so rested in the works of God that we become a non-anxious presence in the world at which we live. Do you guys know that anxiety is infectious? It's actually more infectious than COVID-19. Anxiety is electric. And when you're in a room full of anxious people, you, you start to feel it. But the opposite is also true. When you're in a room for somebody who's arrested 
and they know where their identity lies, that is equally as infectious. When you go into the grocery store and somebody is freaking out that you got too close to them or whatever, that you took the last thing of toilet paper or whatever, I don't even know what the newest thing is. I don't think there's any shortages. But when they're freaking out and, and you are so secure in who you are in the Lord, I'm telling you, the not, the not walking in a non-anxious presence has a way of ministering peace into the people that we live with. When we're bringing anxiety into a situation, it's infectious. When we bring peace into a situation, it's also infectious. And this is what Jesus was doing. He was modeling what it looks like to relax back into the Father. And, and that's really what it means. It, there is so much more to being a disciple than right belief. When we typically talk about belief, we just don't take it far enough. And some of you have heard this example in one of our discipleship cohorts. But if I were to ask you, do you believe in, in, in modern aviation? You'd say, of course. Look at that plane, right? I believe in modern aviation. Look, look at the smoke trails in the sky. Of course, I believe in modern aviation. But it's another thing to say, do you trust in modern aviation? How, and how would you know if you trusted in an airplane? So like the deepest form of trust in modern aviation is not to just point to it in the sky, but to trust that it actually works is to actually what? To do what? To get on a plane, right? And so, and, and we do this. Um, we do this over and over. We, we think that right belief is what, if we just know the right things intellectually, that's what's going to win the day. No, that's not what Jesus, that's not what Jesus is inviting to. He's not asking us to know the right things. He's asking to trust him and what he says is true about reality. So just like it's not enough to believe that planes exist and can take you from point A to point B, trust is getting on the plane. And I, I would say even goes one step further. You can get on the plane and still freak out the entire time from Denver to LA, right? And <laughs> you could sit in your seat and be like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. You know, you could, you could do that. Some people do that. They just freak out the entire time. And they're just on edge, right? You know, so kudos for getting on the plane. But man, isn't it so much better when you're on the plane and to be able to like trust the ride too? To get on the plane and say, I'm trusting that there is a pilot that, I'm trusting he knows what he's doing. He or she knows what they are doing, that they actually know how to do this. That I'm actually going to safely land and I'm going to get off this plane and my day will go on. Like what a blessed thought, right? And I think in this moment, I think in this moment that we're in, a moment of great tension, to be reminded that if we do nothing else, sometimes it's hard to know what to do. What does it mean to be a person of faith in this moment? It means a lot of different things. But I just want to leave you with this today, that in this particular moment, what if one of the greatest works that we can do, according to Jesus, what if one of the greatest things we can do is to live our life pulling back, relaxing into the arms of the Father in such a way that it has an effect with how we talk. It has an effect with the way we sleep at night. It has an effect with the way we work and the way we make decisions. We don't relax. We said this earlier. We're not relaxing because just because of, oh, we have a great hope of, of, that Jesus will reign for all of time. But part of the reason relaxing is that Jesus came to announce a kingdom that had already come. The good news of the gospel is that his lordship has already taken effect. Do you guys know that the, the narrative arc of scripture, 
The climactic scene has actually already happened. The resurrection was the climactic scene. We're not just waiting for the climactic scene of the story later on in heaven. The climactic scene was the resurrection. And now we are just catching up with the effects of the resurrection as it plays out and unfolds across the entire earth for all of eternity. Come on, this is a good word. We're not waiting for the, for, we're not waiting just, just for the evacuation later, gone, later on. The resurrection already happened. The principalities and the works of darkness have already been defeated in the name of Jesus. The cross of Christ has had its way and has had its power. And yes, we are still catching up. And yes, there are things that are being agitated on earth right now. There's a darkness that's kind of, ah, it feels icky from time to time. It's having its way in our lives, in our culture. But I am telling you, the cross of Christ will have its full effect. Jesus will reign for all of eternity. Everything will be made new. The restoration and renewal of all things. God is making all things beautiful, friends. And it's time that we relax into that good news. Woo! <laughs> and that's what good news should do. It should get us excited. It doesn't mean everything is perfect in our lives. It means that we're held by something. There's something more true than what we know. And we've been caught up into his story. And God is bringing us into what he's doing. And I just want to ask you today, as we're making our way together, as we're learning to trust in Jesus, and not just trust in Jesus, not just believe in Jesus, as we're learning to relax into this great gospel, I want to ask you, is that something that you're able to do? Is that something that, that the Father is, is stirring you, inviting you into in a new way? And even right now, is it something that he's prompting you to let go of something so that you can enter into the gift of life? Are you, are you able to trust Jesus with the outcomes of even an election? When you think about that, I don't think enough people are talking about November 4th, the day after the election. Nobody's talking about that. That's a problem. Because we, on November 4th, whoever we get, we are still left with ourselves after that. And we still have to look each other in the eye. And we still have to deal with the brokenness and these divides that have just permeated, these deep wounds as a nation. And on November 4th, regardless of who's present, I know that there's very strong opinions about that. We still need a king named Jesus Amen. to heal us. Amen. And I'm telling you, you better start now learning what it means to relax back into your greater king. If you don't know how to do that now, I'm telling you, it's going to be a rough, rough road. So relaxing into Jesus is about trusting him, about taking these outcomes that there's all these pent up demands that are keeping us up at night and say, Jesus, I'm going to surrender these back to you and trust that you have a story that will continue from here on out and you're not going to lose. So what pulls us into this room today is not just a, a, a good idea that that Jesus is here to make our lives slightly better than those who don't go to church. That's not why we're here. We're here because we're trusting that, that the cross of Jesus, that the resurrection has, 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 has gripped us, has, has called us into a deep participation, and we get to enter into the life, the eternal life of the Spirit right now. While everybody is freaking out, we can enter in, we can roll back and say, I am held by a good, good father today. Amen?
Come on. So we're going to receive communion together today.